From the Old Testament's perspective, there are two things that you need to know. You need to know that there were prophecies given of Jesus Christ coming. We'll talk about that next week. Second of all, you need to know from the Old Testament that there were pictures and shadows, foreshadowing, if you will. Some have called it typology of Christ. Uh, the, the Bible, cover to cover, is a Christocentric book. It is all about Jesus Christ. We understand the Old Testament now by looking backwards through the lens of Jesus Christ. So the two things that focus our attention on the Old Testament are the prophecies that were given, some over 300 prophecies about his life, and again, we'll talk about that next week. But this morning, I want us to think as we enter the communion time of typology, of foreshadowing, of events in the Old Testament that showed us Christ. I'll give you just a few off the top of my head. Uh, there was Abraham who went up on Mount Moriah to sacrifice his only son, which is a type and picture and foreshadowing of God the Father sacrificing his son. Uh, Sarah becoming pregnant at the old age. There was life out of a dead womb, and so there was a life out of a dead tomb that come to bear. Um, there was nothing in Abraham and Sarah that could have brought the life of Isaac to be. Uh, it was physically impossible. Uh, it was spiritually possible with God to do it physically, and so God did it, not man. So you see over and over typology in the Old Testament. But by and large, the most powerful of all Old Testament types and foreshadowings was the Passover was the institution down in the land of Egypt of God passing over the death angel, passing over the families of the Jews. Every bit of that story is typology to us. Egypt is a picture of the world that we came out of. The Red Sea is a picture of the salvation experience of God separating a Red Sea and separating us now from the world. The wanderings in the wilderness were a picture of our early Christian days of the presence of the Lord and the sense of struggling out there. The land of Canaan that Israel finally entered after finally giving up on all their efforts to do so is a picture of the victorious Christian life with its battling of the enemies. But the Passover itself was significant picture of Christ. Now for over 3,500 years, the event, the Passover that the Jews still celebrate today has changed little. Things have been added minor here and there, but basically it's the same. When Jesus, the last week of his life, met with his disciples to celebrate the Passover meal, the dinner, the cedar. Uh, what he chose to leave out and what he chose to take to himself was significant. I will give you the basic elements. In the Passover, there were four cups of wine, four. Jesus, in instituting the Last Supper, 
which was the Passover dinner taking out of the elements, chose to mention two out of the four. That's it. Uh, there were bitter herbs that were eaten to remind the Israelites of the bitterness of bondage. There was salt water that the herbs were dipped in to remind the Jews of the tears that they shed down in Egypt before they were delivered. Uh, there was a, a paste made, Sherotheth, which was a picture of the mortar that they had to make to create the bricks and the bondage of that. Uh, there was, of course, the roasted lamb. The roasted lamb that was partaken during, and all was in order. There were prayers offered. There were psalms sung. It was a beautiful picture, all of it, of God's deliverance. But I want you to look with me in the Gospel of Luke on the account uh, that is given of the Last Supper, Luke, because I want you to see what he decided to leave out and what he chose to remain. I'll find the chapter, just kind of go to the end of the Gospel of Luke, and we find our thoughts in 22, Luke chapter 22. Let's read the account and then we'll talk about what we don't see there and what we do see there. It is significant what he left out. It is significant what he chose to retain for the Lord's Supper, which is what we come to today. Verse 4, by the way, I just let me just say in passing, there's great controversy about the night he was crucified, when that was. Was it a Wednesday? Was it a Thursday? Was it a Friday? Most have abandoned the whole idea of Wednesday, but Thursday or Friday. When was this Passover? I'll just mention it in passing um, that the three synoptic gospels mention that he was celebrated this Passover on the day of preparation when the lamb was slain. John appears as though he's saying something different, and he's not. He says it was before that day of preparation. Uh, most theologians land on a couple different theories. I want to just suggest one that there were two Passovers that were celebrated during this time. One on Wednesday night and one on, no, one on Thursday night and one on Wednesday night and Thursday night. Thursday night or Friday night. See, I'm all confused. But it was two different nights that this Passover took place. But I just mentioned that in passing, that as they gathered together, Jesus was absolutely crucified on the Passover while they were crucifying the lambs on the second Passover celebrated in Jerusalem. So uh, now that I've sufficiently confused you for no apparent reason, I want you to look at chapter 22, verse 14. Maybe we'll delve into that next week. Chapter 22, verse 14. And when the hour was come, he reclined at the table. Now they reclined at the table because that is what free men did. Servants and slaves stood and ate. But those that were free, resting, laid down at the table with one left arm propped on a very large pillow, and that's how they ate. It's a picture of rest. This is how the Jews ate their Passover because now they were free. 
They weren't slaves anymore. So they reclined, it says, at the table, and the apostles with him. And he said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17, it says, and he took a cup. This is the first of the four cups. And uh, we'll go back in just a minute to the book, um, uh, the, the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 6, to look at how these four cups played out. But this was the first cup, and he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So he takes the first cup. I want you to notice very carefully that he does not drink the cup himself. He divides it among the disciples. And the look to him was probably, why aren't you drinking? Because that's why he says, for I tell you, I will not drink until the kingdom. Jesus drank none of these four cups, and I'll show you why in just a minute. So there are four cups. This is the first. Now go back to, do, to, go back to Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6. Scan your eyes down to verse 6. This is God's promised deliverance that he's going to tell to Moses, and this is what Moses is going to tell to the people of Israel from the Lord himself. These are the four cups in two different verses. So chapter 6 of the book of Exodus, look at verse 6 with me. This is the Lord speaking. He said, Say therefore to the people of Israel, first cup, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The first cup of blessing that was raised at the Passover was, I will bring you out. Jesus did not partake of that cup because he didn't need to be brought out. He was the bringer out of the cup. But he divided that to his apostles with the promise that he would bring them out. Aren't you glad today that he brought you out from the world? That is the cup that he raised. His promise was, in what I'm going to do, I will cut you off. As sure as the Red Sea destroyed the armies of Pharaoh, I will cut you off from the world. I will, I, you are mine. I will take you out. Before the Lord is going to take you to himself, he had to take you out of something. And there it is. That's one of the four cups, one of the two that he chose to keep. I will take you out. Notice the second cup is in chapter 6 of Exodus, verse 6. And I will deliver you from slavery to them. Notice, I will deliver you from the place of being a slave. I will change your entire mindset. Do you understand what it means to be a slave for 400 years? You kind of get that thing planted in your mind. So you may cross over the Red Sea, but you still might be a slave in your mind. Do you understand how powerful that is? 
Karen spent a week in the hospital under horrible situations. And, so, and she says, I still wake up sometimes thinking I'm hooked up to all those lines because that plays on your mind, you see. So God not only took them out, I will change the way you think about yourself. Do you see that? I will break the bondage of slavery inside of you. Some of you have been Christians a lot of years, but you still carry slave-like mentalities. You still allow yourself to be under the bondage to sin when there's no such thing in the economy of God. Do you understand? He said, I will rid you of that mentality of slavery. The second plague, or the second cup that is raised that he did not reference was called the cup of plagues. The cup of plagues. It was called that because it commemorated the plague of frogs and the plague of hail and the plague of blood. Remember the plagues that rained down here? Watch this. One by one, God destroyed those Egyptians and destroyed that mentality of slavery by plague after plague, plague after plague being destroyed. Do you understand? That which kept them in bondage was the Egyptians. And the Egyptians would not let them go. But God, through a raining down of one after the other, one after the other, not only broke the Egyptians' will, but in the Israelites' minds, watched the judgment of God on sin itself. What powerful plagues over... This second cup was the cup of plagues. Jesus does not raise that cup because the plague is gone in what he's going to do. The sin's bondage is eliminated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The judgment that he took on the cross when he died for us was my judgment and my plague, if you will. And he would not let his... Apostles, his disciples, drink of that cup because he drank of that cup when he died for us. That cup is missing. Take a look at the third cup of blessing in Exodus chapter 6. The third that is drunk throughout the Passover, and they still do it today. So the first one is, I will bring you out. The second one is, I will deliver you from slavery. Thirdly, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with greater acts of judgment. I will take you out. I will destroy the mentality of slavery within you. And I will redeem you. I will purchase you back. And the way I will do it is with outstretched arms. This is the third cup. And I want you to know back in Luke chapter 22, he drinks, or at least he passes that around. He doesn't drink it. He doesn't drink any of the four cups, none of them. They only drank two of them. He doesn't drink of this one. Look at chapter uh, 22 of Luke, verse 20. And that likewise the cup after he had eaten said, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood, the blood that would redeem. Do you see? This is the cup of redemption. 
Uh, there are some who suggest that after eating the bitter herbs, he pronounced verse 21, that behold, the hand of one that betrays me is with me at the table. Isn't that interesting? His third cup was the cup of redemption. And he passed it around. And it's offered to you today if you don't know Christ as your Savior. That's how you get saved. Fourth cup, which was never drunk by any of them, that all of us would drink one day. All of us would drink one day. Look at chapter 6 of Exodus, verse 7. This is our verse 7. Are you ready for this? This is beautiful. He didn't drink it. He'll drink it in the kingdom when we sit down with him. Verse 7. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord God that brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will take you to myself. No longer will you look by faith to me. It will be sight. And you will hug him, and he will hug you. And you will see the one that you've known by faith all of your life. And you will drink that cup with him when it's new in the kingdom. Isn't that beautiful? Didn't touch that cup because it's not time. He will in the future. One other mention about the meal is the bread. There were three pieces of bread side by side by side. The middle one was picked up. The middle one was picked up and it was torn in two, ripped like that. Whatever the larger piece was, was hidden in the house. Hidden in the house. So let's look at it. This is larger. Let's hide it. Uh, someone during the meal, after it was ripped, would go and hide it somewhere in the house, gone. They didn't know where it was, at least symbolically. It was the bread in the middle, I think, to, to picture Christ dying on a cross between two thieves, broken for you and I as his bread. He drew the wine and he drew the bread. He, never, he didn't take the bitter herbs because there's no bitterness in knowing Jesus Christ. There's no, the, there's no the bitterness of that bondage in Egypt. It's gone. The salt water is gone. There is no more tears because of sin. Now, there are tears in this life because of distresses, because of hurt, because of situations or illness. There are tears, but not the tears that come out of sin. Not the tears that come out of regret from your past. If you're crying the tears of regret for sinfulness in the past, you are doing something that God doesn't even recognize. Those tears are gone. The bitterness is gone. He doesn't mention in the Lord's Supper the paste that was made from the bitterness of bondage because there is no more bondage in the Christian life. It is freedom. It is joy. It is blessing. It is goodness. But the bread and the wine are with us. The bread was his body that was broken for us. That's an element he took out of the Passover. Now what of the larger piece? It's hidden. A child was always sent to find the large piece. 
So they stopped the mail, and they sent a child. And that child would wander around until they found the peace. The larger peace. This picture's Christ found by children. Jesus said, unless you become a child, you by no means enter into the kingdom of God. We all come like the simplicity of a child, do we not? We don't come with our intellect. We don't come with our talents, our abilities, our whatever. We come as children to the Father. And we find the bread of Christ and we eat the larger piece. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful pictures of the Passover. Beautiful pictures of what Christ left behind and what he attains and takes now for us. The wine picturing his redemption. The blood, his body broken for us. It feeds our soul. 